Mr. Robot, Season 1, Episode 4, Damons, is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps on our Mr. Robot Rewatch Project. It's Robot Road. We're back. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler, and there is just one line separating you and our co-host, Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how you doing? I don't trust this guy. Who's this guy talking to me? I don't trust him. I know a junkie when I see one and hear one. What's up, Josh? Did you just hand me uh, some sort of tonic, some sort of beverage to cure yes. whatever ails me? Yeah, you only have to drink nine more. <laughs> That's so many. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. I mean, Romero's uh, aunt was just, she didn't play around, did she? No, she really didn't. But I love that Romero juice. It sounds really good. It does. I think I could. everybody in their lives at some point has needed a good dose of Romero juice, yeah, I think. I think so, which is really I mean, just code for like cold hard truth. <laughs> yes, exactly. Served in a glass with a little like decongestant and anti-D medicine. Yeah. So I think everyone could use that at some point or another in their life. All right. If this is your first time joining us on Robot Road, go back and listen to the other shows that we've done here. We are watching a single episode of Mr. Robot every week ish as we march our way towards the july 13 premiere of season two of mr robot we are talking about each episode from a spoiler free perspective first then we transition over to spoiler filled conversation i'm kind of speculating this might be a spoiler filled heavy episode so let's see how this plays out first up apologies we're a little bit late on this one we've been trying to get you one podcast every single week we are a bit delayed and it will be a little bit of a wait before we get to episode five really sorry about that life gets in the way sometimes antonio yeah it's my fault josh i was laid up in a really weird motel that uh-huh. i broke into uh <laughs> for several days uh, sweating it out so i appreciate everyone's patience as i got back on my feet and here we are yeah here we are so things have been a little bit interesting in our neck of the woods between life and personal stuff and work and all sorts of things but we are back we're here with episode four damons we will talk about that in great detail today uh this is a big one this is a crazy one this is you know we've been talking about tripping down the robot hole quite a bit here as we've been talking about mr robot but this really Uh this really is the episode where we go straight down that thing yeah this is uh talk about through the looking glass or into your tripping the life fantastic or whatever you want to call it crazy things are going down in this episode josh hard to tell how many of them all have happened will happen have happened in the past are happening in this episode by the end of it, we have, I think, a grasp that Elliot doesn't get shot in the chest uh, in a weird dope trap house. But it seems like I that think, did not happen. <laughs> right. But in the moment, you know, maybe it's happening. Maybe it's not. So this is a crazy episode. No doubt about it. Otherwise, altogether crazy show in and of itself. This yeah. is an a standout crazy episode. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, this is an interesting episode to unpack from both the perspective of having only seen it the one time. Like if you see it that first time, there's so much going on, hard to process it at all, you know, hard to process all of it. Um, and also like there are moments like you just described where Elliot is shot and you're like, holy crap, did that just happen? Um, and obviously as the thing progresses, you know, okay, that didn't really happen, but it's also a really valuable uh, experience on rewatch. There's a lot to unpack from that so that's why i think we'll really talk about the vision sequence at length in the spoiler filled section i think once you know where the show is going it's a little bit hard to process any other way do you think that's fair to say yeah definitely and you know you can just you can see that just by understanding sort of 
what the concept of this episode is, that Elliot's talking about daemons, these subconscious processes that are constantly running in the background that you don't really know about. They're not, they don't involve user interaction as he describes them. They're just these things, these forces that are happening that are task robots, that are things that are just executing things in the background without you really knowing it and without you really taking any action to initiate them. Uh, you, I think the most famous of all daemons is the mailer daemon. We've all probably experienced. I thought uh, Matt was the most famous of all of the daemons. Oh, Matt Damon. Yes, he is. He is a very famous daemon. There's no Johnny Damon is also. That's a sports. I know. I know, that I know who a Johnny Damon is, believe it or not. Well, I mean, you can't live in New York and not know Johnny Damon through Boston and through when he, he became a You can't be married to a woman who is a big fan of the Boston Red Sox around the time that the Red Sox won the World Series for the first time in forever. Well, there you go. Yeah, so there you go. You know the Johnny Damon, but I there are Johnny other Damon. Damons out there. But the Mailer Damon is a big one. Uh, Nick Kroll famously plays the Mailer Damon on Comedy Bang Bang, great mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, and there are, I mean, the Damon is, is something, I don't the know Damon where Wayans. the... The Damon Waynes of it all. That's right. Uh, I don't know where the term Damon comes from. Do you happen to know? I don't know. It's demon with an A in front of it. It sounds more <laughs> archaic. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I like it better with the A-E, don't you? We had a friend in high school who used to write poetry about Damons instead of demons, but they were clearly about demons. Yeah, and I think it was. I think. It, I mean, I do think the term demon did in, in so, is in some way linked to the term demon. Uh, there are demons that are just kind of task robots as well that are just kind of doing things in the background, whether they're lighting the lamps of hell, Josh, or whether they're just bugging you uh, while you're trying to use your TV remote and it's not working. Uh, there or are they're in the entertaining you in uh, Golden Globe comedy award winning worthy movies about Mars. Yes, or that. That could also be happening. That 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 is, uh, you know, or they're or they're a puppet in Team America: World Police. Like there are ways to go with Matt Damon, and we Mailer Damon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and so anyway, of course, this episode, which is so focused on people's daemons or demons or whatever you want to call them, these things that are subconscious running in the background without you realizing it. And a character in Elliot who a lot of things are going on that he's clearly not realizing or putting together uh, is going to be a very interesting episode at first glance, and it's going to be really worthy to unpack on a rewatch. So I think we can get into some of the, the subconscious elements of the analysis without getting into spoilers, but clearly uh, anyone who hasn't watched this whole show can probably still realize that a lot of what is being touched on here are things that might come up later in the series. And so when you look back, this may be the first kind of suggestions of certain things, or this may be more information about certain things which are confirmed later. Totally. Absolutely. All right. So we dig in and it starts off in a really not so great place. Like it start. I mean, like a great place cinematically. It's, you know, when Elliot is looking at the table and his like face is just like inching ever closer to the table when he's talking about this final line, everything that he's got. Like he looked around the entire apartment, sweeped everything together. This is every last bit of morphine he's got left. And he is just like slowly lowering his face toward this one line of morphine. It's beautifully shot. It is beautifully bad for poor Elliot Alderson. Yeah, and he's pointing out the consequences of his behavior. This is the last line of morphine he's going to be able to do because he essentially killed uh, the Connections Connect. He, he he took Vera out of the game. He put him in jail. Uh, and without Vera in the game, Shayla's not going to really get him the Suboxone he needs. And then he doesn't want to use the drugs at all in that respect. So this is going to be a bad day for Elliot. And he introduces that, obviously, right away. Uh, we talk about the title cards. Just seeing the line disappear as the title card appears and the music swells is pretty 
harrowing. Uh, I also not heroin, harrowing, harrowing. Uh, I harrowing. also think it's. I also think it's interesting, Josh. The way this episode begins. Follow me here. Elliot's talking about his one line of morphine. We see that. We see the gorgeousness of it, as you're saying. Then we see Elliot explaining his plan, where we begin where the last episode ended. He's talking to the people at F Society. He's going to use a small circuit board, what's called a Raspberry Pi, to fry the climate control system and destroy the backup tapes at Steel Mountain. And then we see everybody kind of at F Society responding to that. And Elliot leaves F Society because his withdrawals are starting. We see him do the line. Then Darlene knocks at the door and says, come back to F Society. And he has to go back immediately. immediately. Like, why did he leave it all? Like, it, this is bad day for Elliot. It's really not great because that commute back to Manhattan from Coney Island is no joke. And now you have, to go, go do, again. Now you have to go do it all over again. You've just wasted like two and a half hours of your day. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand. He, he left, basically, I guess, to go do his final line. And then immediately we get Darlene just really loudly banging at his door. Right. Uh, it sounds like it's just a hellhound knocking at his door, and it's just Darlene. And she says, you know, you look like S, come back to F, society. Uh, and he's back. Very odd and disorienting start to this episode. He's also seeing guys in suits and shouting at them. Oh, that's like, great, that moment. Because, I mean, that's built into the premise, and that's from, right. that's from the first episode. Is, right. You know, he thinks that he's got men chasing after him. He thinks that he's on somebody's radar. And so you see these two nicely dressed men walking on either you know side of him from opposite directions, and he just flips. He just loses. He's like, what do you want? Uh, and it's like, they don't want anything. They're just totally normal people who are just enjoying their lives, man. Yes. People in New York City wear suits and coats. It happens. It happens. It happens frequently. Yeah, it's a it's a suit and coat city, Josh. It is a suit and coat city, but Elliot is, you know, he is a, a hoodie type of man, so he is not yeah. really paying attention to that. And even when it is a suit and suit and tie affair for Elliot, he is in hoodie mode. Yeah, and we'll talk about that shortly here. We will. Speaking of uh, interesting things to wear, did you notice what Mobley, the character that some people have compared to an amalgam of you and I, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, is wearing in the F Society scene? No, I did not notice this. He's wearing the Internet's beloved Three Wolves T-shirt, which is uh, – I don't know if you're familiar with this meme or this, uh, this viral Three Wolves T-shirt. No, but if you're I don't not, know what the Three Wolves is, actually. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, know well, the th- I know what the Three Seashells is, but I don't know what the Three Wolves are. If you just Google, like, Three Wolves T-shirt Amazon review, uh, and, and I think that you can just re- – I think the top, uh, the top hit that comes up is the T-shirt that Mobley's wearing. It's very fun to read customer reviews of this – of this uh, of this item, this was probably more popular. I don't know, several years ago, six to ten years ago. Uh, but there are some really funny customer reviews because the Three Wolves T-shirt. It is literally just three wolves howling at the moon. Uh, it became a big hit on the internet, ironically so, I think. And Mobley is wearing it, so that's great. That's awesome. I like Mobley. I like this episode because it shines a spotlight on some of the other people in <coughs> society. I yeah, like all of the other. Yeah, yeah, I like that we're starting to see these people come out as characters more. I mean, we've already, you know, Romero is. Great and he's kind of been the voice of the three of the other people at F Society that we don't really talk about a ton. But Mobley's getting some action here. He's really into that fast food burger at one oh, point. Oh, speaking of Damon's, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's a Damon for sure. Uh, Trenton <laughs> is more of a character in this one. So it's a, it's a really so it's good... A, it's, a Mick, it's a Mick Damon. Yeah, <laughs> Mick Damon. <laughs> yeah. 
that's what's going on there for sure. <laughs> it's a really limited funny. time item, Josh. They only have the McDamon like yeah, four months. Yeah, well, once every blue moon, once every I don't know. Well, it, it, once every th- three wolves. <laughs> once every three wolves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so all of that is really good. And yeah, Elliot is talking about his plan for taking down Steel Mountain. You know, the previous plan was we're going to blow him up. We're just going to kill him. We're going to destroy everybody. Elliot does not seem to be really into it, but he's also not really into explaining what his plan is, considering the withdrawal. It is happening. The withdrawal of it all. The withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was for you people who, who like that. Phrase. Who like it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Romero is stepping forward here. And Romero is the one who is kind of saying, hey, buddy, your plan, we got a real problem. They're making redundant backups at four other facilities. So it's not going to matter when we take Steel Mountain down. There's going to be four other backups. And right. so Elliot's like, well, that's fine. We're pulling the cord. We're doing this immediately. Yeah, we have to do and it that- now. Yeah, Romero's very upset by this. Elliot's like, I'm going to do it. Uh, Romero, then that's when he's pointing out, like, you're a junkie. It's not going to work. Uh, Mr. Robot, strangely silent through all this. He's just kind of a passive observer. I guess he's letting his troops kind of determine the next move here. Well, I think that that's part of it. But, I mean, we also get in this scene where Romero, you know, really calls Elliot out in front of everybody because Elliot right. does not look good. It is very clear that bad things are happening with Elliot. And Romero says to Elliot, you're a junkie. You might be able to fool the rest of these people, but I can see it. I know a junkie when I see one. And I think that we see later on in the episode that Mr. Robot is like the one person who sticks with Elliot through his sickness. You know, Elliot's going to go through his vision. He's going to go through all of that. He is going to wake up and he's going to feel like he's alone and Mr. Robot's still going to be there. Um, So I think that, you know, Mr. Robot, who we've seen many different versions of this guy so far, we've seen him in a very antagonistic way. We've seen him being very aggressive. We've also seen moments where he's paternal. And I think that this is, you know, kind of closer to the paternal side. And I think that that's why he's quiet. While Romero is kind of giving Elliot some tough love, you're seeing from Mr. Robot. It's like, this is a time where, Elliot, you need a friend right now, and I'm quietly going to be your friend. Yeah, and I I think that that's right. And we'll see, obviously... More of that in this episode, that really comes to the surface, the the sort of doting, kind uh, role of Mr. Robot in this. Keeping in mind, this is a guy who tried to push him off of, or did push him off of a rail, what, no less than two episodes ago? So, I don't know, this Mr. Robot, he's kind of uh, hot and cold. This is He runs real hot and cold. He's hot and he's cold. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, is that Wanda? A little bit. Wanda making an appearance? Yeah, well, she's here for just a minute. Uh, I like also, you know, this is all contrasted with, you know... A a scene that comes up right away where Romero and Mobley, they're kind of talking about how they can't trust Elliot. Uh, and they're talking about this as they're stealing a car. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, <laughs> oh, we can't trust this guy. Oh, by the way, can we trust us? We're stealing. <laughs> We're ha- literally hacking a car to steal it. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. That's, it's great. I don't trust this guy. Let me. What we're saying is we're robbing someone. This yeah. is fantastic. We're robbing somebody. But yeah, I mean, even Elliot is the guy who says to Mr. Robot at one point, like, hey, you going to weigh in at any point here? And Mr. Robot's like, eh, you know, it seems like you know what's going on. Uh, you just do you, buddy. That, let me ask you a question, Josh. We kind of we skipped over this just a little bit. In the scene where Romero is talking about the backups being made and the redundancy, Elliot says, this is what Tyrell was talking about. Do you remember when that Tyrell would have said anything in that realm to Elliot? Because I don't. Um, off the top of my head, no. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at his um, well, his conversation with Elliot back in episode two. 
I did, I did a little bit of that. So I went back and looked at kind of what we talked about and where we left off. And uh, Wellick says in episode two, give a man a gun and he can rob a bank. Give a man a bank and he can rob the world. It means power belongs to the people who take it. The will to take is the only thing that's necessary. Uh, what we're doing may be illegal, so the rest of these people in the room are lawyers. I want to offer you the job as a head of cybersecurity. I know you have a non-compete. And then he says, uh, you know, you belong here. Come, come work with me. Come home. Like, he doesn't say anything about we're we're doing security things, we're upgrading, there's vulnerabilities, whatever. The only other interaction that Elliot has with Wellick is when, you know, oh, I know what you're saying, an executive who's running Linux. Right. And he doesn't talk about that, you know, we have a plan in place to do anything there. I don't know. Maybe people who have rewatched this uh, or who are listening can remind us of when this conversation might have taken place between Elliot and Wellick about these redundant backups. Because I don't know that, that Elliot has ever heard Wellick say anything about this that we've seen of course we know a lot maybe they're probably happening maybe they're pen pals maybe they write in the night to each other (laughs) right in the night oh baby yeah yeah that could be happening i don't know uh why does that have to be in the night i don't know i guess it could be daytime it just doesn't sound as good as right in the night Right in the night sounds great. That sounds fantastic. Wrong in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, this is the thing. We've talked a ton on this on this show uh, in the non-spoiler section, in the spoiler section as well, about where Elliot's head is at. And the fact is we've talked a, a ton about how Elliot clearly is not remembering everything. He's not he's – not, he's, uh, he thinks we are created by him. Are we real? Are we not? Is right. he schizo? Is he seeing things? He's maybe not on the best terms. He's not taking the meds that he's prescribed. Is it possible, Josh, that Elliot has talked to Wellick off screen and we just don't know it? I think that's totally possible. And I think what's also possible, this just occurred to me, is didn't he do like a pretty deep dive into Tyrell at one point? Didn't he really look into him and like look into all of his information? He was really tweaked out by what he saw. Is it possible that he saw something there during his investigation into Tyrell's online life? into his online footprint uh, that may have unearthed some of this information he's talking about here with Steel Mountain. That is possible. And that the question is talking about, was he talking about it in an email to somebody else or did Elliot lose right. time? And I think what this show does a really good job of, because that sequence you're talking about, if you frame by frame it, you can see the titles of some of Tyrell's emails. And he is pointing out some flaws. And I don't remember if in that sequence there is any information about a redundant backup plan. But maybe he did see that there. But the question is, if Elliot saw that there and it's only just now coming to the front of his head, like how screwed up was he then? that this huge problem for his plan, you know, he didn't see it. So this is a fascinating world. And and this is the show. It disorients you, right? It has characters saying, this is what someone was talking about. And you don't remember that conversation occurring. It has a main character who is uh, established as somebody who may or may not be completely nuts and who may have serious problems. Some of the things we've seen listed off, some of the things he's talked about, some of the things we know he's in psychiatric treatment for. So anytime a a character is kind of, that's why Mobley doesn't trust him. That's why Romero doesn't trust him. That's right. why these people are having issues with Elliot as he's trying to uh, do these things and going in. It's not and unfair. Elliot, Elliot really even approaches Mr. Robot and says, hey, are you going to say anything about this? And Mr. Robot basically says, like, you're the key to the whole thing. You're the only force of nature in play here. So Elliot is being called by other characters as a force of nature. That's the level that Elliot is in this whole story. And this nature is truly unpredictable. Hurricane Elliot. 
Hurricane Elliot, Ty- Typhoon Elliot, Typhoon I don't know. Alderson. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah Typhoon, Typhoon Wellick sounds better. I no, like that does sound good. That does sound good. <laughs> I like that quite a bit. All right, so Elliot, he's in the car. He's on his way because they're just going to do the Steel Mountain thing now. They're just yes. going to they're just going to get that done. He, Elliot looks great, doesn't he? He looks like he's doing really okay. Like, he looks, he looks like, you know, it's just very natural perspiration, the shakes, all of that's fine. That's just normal. Yeah. Oh, that's for me. It is. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's not great. I'm doing it right now, Josh. No, that's when you need a Romero juice. This is you know classic Romero juice victim going on right now. Is that Romero juice? Romero and juice yet? I don't. I'm sorry. He needs it. He needs it. He needs <laughs> that. He needs that. He needs that as soon as humanly possible. But he's sitting there. He's in the car, and he's you know talking about daemons and the nature of daemons. Uh, the devil's at his strongest while we're looking the other way, like a program running in the background silently while we're busy doing. Other stuff uh demons they call him so you know they're he's thinking about all of this stuff that's like processing while he is kind of just like not really there physically right right and or he's physically he's physically there though barely but he's just like kind of losing his grasp mentally in this moment right and it's running in the background while he's trying to do other things it's truly a daemon performing action without the user interaction primal urges he talks about he talks about repressed memories unconscious habits things that are always there and always active he's trying to be right and good he's trying to make a difference and he says it's all bs because your intentions don't matter they don't drive you the daemons do and elliot says he has more than most and he pukes to end the scene uh that is a really good kind of uh summary of what elliot's going through is that he might have good intentions he might have all these things he's trying to do but he's got a lot of problems and his problems are getting in the way of what he's doing and there's not much he can do about it and this episode really focuses on that both in the foreground in the forefront of the episode when we see him literally suffering with the withdrawals but when we go into these sequences we see in the withdrawals these kind of psychological moments the daemons that he has that we're going to talk about here very shortly that are probably driving a lot of his actions issues with angela issues with his family um things that uh, that drive what elliot does subconsciously and i think that's the that's the meat of this episode it really is an elliot character episode more than anything the meat of the episode or at least the meat of the moment is in that mcdamon and like just like the <laughs> sloppy way oh so gross that mobley is going to town on that mcdamon that is a really difficult thing especially like when you're hungover or if you're going through withdrawal in this situation with Elliot, like I can't imagine that that's fun to be trapped in that car and just like being like razor focused, like fixated on another person eating. That's got to be a difficult thing. Yeah, the sound design and the way this scene is shot to to you know, show like you watching that the like withdrawals. ketchup drop and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the loud yeah. splash of yeah, ketchup squirting out of the burger <laughs> and just the, the weird kind of it sounds like Elliot's speaking through several filters, like he's super distant. There's a lot of backwards masking of noises that is happening. Like the sound design in this scene to really make you feel the kind of feelings that Elliot might be feeling is really good. And the burger part is just gross. I don't think I'm gonna eat a burger ever again. Josh. No more McDamons. We're out no of No more McDamons. Done with that. So Elliot's going to need a timeout. Yeah, uh, he's going to need a timeout. I mean, this is the mission. There, it's a time sensitive thing. He is not going to be able to do it right now. He needs to sweat through the withdrawals. Uh, and Mobley and Romero and Mister Robot are kind of like, Ugh, all right. I mean, I guess what do we have? What choice do we have? You kind of are in terrible shape, and we just sort of need to follow your lead here. Yeah, and this is uh, this is sort of the the wagon that they hitch their horse to. So this is what's going to happen. And yeah, I don't know. What do you do when you need a little a little break, Josh? Do you just hack into a hotel room where you want to stay? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't have the skills with which to do that. I, I'll, 
I'll say I read apparently that this is a security vulnerability that many hotels have, which is sort of scary to think about. Oh, frightening. Uh, but this is a very common thing. So I know you're a guy who's on the road a lot. You better check your doors. Com- compare the door lock uh, that was broken here and make sure that you're in, good, you're in good spot when you get to the next hotel that you're in. I mean, I just constantly, for the entire duration of my stay at any given hotel, I leave the do not disturb up. Uh, oh, me too. I just keep that up. I just, yeah. you know, I maintain the cleanliness of my room on my own as much as humanly possible. And I just assume that that's going to keep the daemons away. Yeah. I th- well, it depends on what your daemons are, Josh. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, that may keep some of them away. Um, unfortunately, some people's daemons come out when they lock the door and don't let anyone else in. So that's the problem there. I, yours may be uh, different. but I, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to be careful. You really just have to. You have to know what you're doing there, uh, in the hotel room, and you have to. I, I definitely put the do not the DND up as well, uh, and don't let anybody in the room. I usually get some notice after three or four days, like why haven't you let us in your room? What are you doing in there, sir? Uh, <laughs> just burying, so not, burying the bodies. <laughs> just burying the bodies. I'm just scraping yeah. every inch of this room looking for morphine. <laughs> yeah, we're fine. Don't worry about it. It's none of your business. Just breaking down the bodies in the bathtub. Yeah, uh, yeah it's fine. Everything's fine. We're fine in here. How are you? Uh, yeah, I just I like to just sleep in the safe just to be very comfortable and make sure everything is taken care of. I oh just my sleep God. in the safe. Yeah. That is not an easy feat. I am impressed. Yeah. I'm impressed with your flexibility. Speaking of impressed with flexibility, in the most uh, awkward segue of all time, uh, what about this guy, Ollie? He's the worst. Oh, he's a Damon. This guy, total, total, total <laughs> McDamon, this guy, uh, Ollie, who's like, oh, Angela, oh, I could wake up to that every single day. Mm. What a dick. Yeah. Uh, not great. It's gross. I mean, the thing is, Elliot has said, like, Angela has bad taste in guys. Like, fair enough. Yeah. But, like, this guy, it's like, why Why did this ever happen? He's insufferable. <laughs> and he's saying this when he's already, like, firmly in the doghouse. Like, don't dig a bigger hole for yourself, buddy. Like, this is awful. And so, I, I don't know. This is this is just making me mlare, Josh. It's oh, really- mlare, as my good buddy Kevin would say. Yes, yes. Kevin, uh, Kevin, Kevin's roommate would not be like Ollie. <laughs> no. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's really terrible. Angela, she's going over to Elliot's house. Uh, she's looking to, you know, to talk with Elliot. I think that we can see based on where things go in this episode that Angela's probably looking for some guidance from Elliot here with this whole situation with Turtle from Entourage making them upload the CD into All Safe and everything. I think she's looking for Elliot as an out, which is interesting considering what she had said to Elliot in the first episode, like, let me lose. Even if I'm going to fail, let me lose. I think she's looking for an assist here. And clearly she's not going to find it. She's going to go on a little bit of a friend date with Shayla. And I think that the outcome of that encounter is going to really drive what she ends up doing in this episode. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, we know that Elliot and Angela know each other from childhood. We know their childhood link is something that is kind of dark, uh, that caused problems for both of them. They both lost family members because of Evil Corp and because of Terry Colby in an almost direct way. Challenge Beast. Yeah, Challenge Beast Terry Colby. Uh, he, he, he saw some birds and got his heart racing, and look what happened. It was very bad. Um, but yeah, this is, a, this is a thing where Angela probably has some demons too, and we don't necessarily daemons, know. Daemons, daemons, daemons. She may have some daemons as well. She may have some daemons, steakhouse, and ribs. Uh, we don't really <laughs> know ultimately what has happened uh, with her, yeah. um, but we do know that she probably has uh, some issues. And I think she does need to kind of 
she's she seems to have copied over those issues or put posters over uh, the hole that she's using uh, to escape. And I think she's starting to peel back the layers in this episode. And Shayla's giving Angela MDMA, you know, to gain some clarity. And Shayla's saying things like, oh, we just kind of wing it and see where the moment takes us. And you're right. They do go on this kind of weird quest that ends with Angela ultimately. And jumping ahead here, uh, she takes the disc into all safe, puts it in Ollie's computer and executes. So done, 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 done. Awesome move, by the way. Yeah, great. To go to his workstation. You yeah, mean. that's great. Yeah, that has to happen. You know, right? the whole like, thing is questionable. Maybe don't do what you're about to do. But if you're about to do what you're going to do, go to Ollie Station. Make it look like it was this this uh, this Damon douche. Yeah, Damon douche. So, I mean, it, it is. Uh, I mean, this is a good episode for Angela because it's funny. You're saying she's looking to Elliot for clarity or for advice, uh, and that, unbeknownst to her, Elliot is doing the same sort of high level hacking plan uh, to take down Evil Corp that Angela is perhaps helping put in place as well. We don't even really know what Angela is doing, but they're both doing very quote unquote bad things, uh, nominally bad things against perhaps uh, people or corporations that have caused them harm. So. I think it's very interesting to see how this all plays out. We don't know what the end game of the disc that Angela's putting in is. She, for all she knows, uh, it could be you know worse than uh, something like a corporation. It could be terrorism. It could be anything. Uh, and she does it anyway, so that's fascinating. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, not great, Bob. <laughs> not great, Bob. All right, also not great, Bob. Elliot, he really is struggling. He's having a hard time. Um, Romero is not happy. I mean, I guess he's happy-ish. How could you not be happy if you're watching Hackers? Yeah. Oh, Hacker. This is great. I, isn't it funny how they've basically taken and made fun of uh, the, uh, the this movie? Uh, there's a lot of it, this. It's weird because we see uh, Lorraine Bracco on screen who played Dr. Melfi in The Sopranos. We do go on a weird kind of Tony Soprano-like vision quest with Elliot here. Question whether that is also a secondary benefit of this. But of course the primary benefit are these great meta-conversations that Mobley uh, is having with Romero. Uh, and, you know, Romero saying, I bet you're right. I bet you're right now some writers working on a TV show. That will mess up this generation's idea of hacker culture. I think even Dan Harmon would say this is pretty meta, Josh. Uh-huh. Sure, I think so. Uh, yeah, it's a funny scene, though. I like it. I, I, you know, I think that one of the things that's great about this show, there's going to be a moment coming up later on uh, that really references just how self-aware I think this show is. Uh, but this is one of them, for sure. This is like one of those signs that, like, yeah, we know what's going on. Like, we know what you're saying. We're anticipating what you're saying. This almost feels a little bit self-conscious to me. You know, Mr. Robot right now is being written and filmed in a bubble at the point right. that we're talking about here with episode four. They have no idea how people are going to respond to the show. I'm sure they have no idea that it is going to be received quite as well as it was received and become quite as much of a critical darling as it ended up being, um, certainly in its first season. So I think that this is a little bit of like one of those just like, you know, uh, you know, self, you know, self-defecating, deprecating, (laughs) not self-defecating. Hopefully that might be Elliot right now. Uh, You know, one of these like, you know, just one of these lines that's like really taking a shot at itself that it probably doesn't need to. But it's like just in case this doesn't land, at least we know. Um, But I think that the show is obviously a lot tighter than it's giving itself credit for in this moment. 
Yeah, and what we've heard from a lot of people who have listened who do work in the IT security environment or who work in programming or things like that, they're saying the details of the show are all very realistic, and it's refreshing to see a show that nails them. It's not the CSI effect, right, or the NCIS effect where it's like, we need to do this, and you see somebody type some green letters on a black screen, and then, oh, my, the world has changed in one moment, you know? Like, everything that's that's discussed here uh, is a very tech-savvy tech kind of way of looking at it. So uh, it is, like, you're saying a little bit almost too uh, self-protective or self you know critical because the show really is nailing it i guess you're right they didn't know at the time that maybe they wouldn't be considered to be nailing it so maybe this was just their subconscious and uh turning their you know turning into their fear of being a a waste josh yeah a little bit um elsewhere in f society we are going to you know we already have like angela and shayla they're going to have their night on the town another night of town on of, of sorts is uh is about to happen with Darlene and Trenton. They're going to have a little bit of a bonding moment themselves. Yeah, Darlene has to track her contact with the Dark Army down because a major part of this of this kind of deal is that the Dark Army has to, at the same time as the hack is executed in the States, the Dark Army has to erase the data backups in China. And if they don't, then there's no real point doing all this because there will still be backups of the data. Like, this will still be something that happens and that, you know, the, the, the data won't be truly destroyed. So they need a secondary attack here. And Darlene's job at the last moment is to put this together. Clearly struggling with it. She shows up drunk. She's getting some hair of the dog, chasing a hangover with a, like a little airport bottle or airline bottle and some Advil. Uh, Trenton seems to be the exact opposite, covering her head, you know, admiring a scarf. So this is an interesting pairing, to say the least. And we get Shayla and Angela, as you said. There's a lot. There's an A, B, and C story here. Uh, and I think all three involved. Yeah, people. and an MDMA story as well. There's an MDMA story as well. That is also happening. Lots of letters in play here. Uh, so, yeah. That, that, but all three of these stories involve somebody with substance abuse, uh, whether it's um, not or, or use MDMA, Elliot's withdraws, uh, Darlene with a hangover and being drunk. Uh, so all three stories are are in a, they're three characters I think who very clearly seem to have some issues. Darlene seems to have some issues. Um, I forget how Mister Robot described her before. Uh, besides the K hole part, she's just a na- nasty malware hacker. So she clearly has some problems. Uh, we know Elliot has some problems. We know Angela probably has some problems related to the same thing. So uh, interesting that those are our three stories in an episode about these subconscious issues that drive us. And Elliot's really getting into this. He's crawling around the bed like Smeagol, Josh. It's really... <laughs> My like precious. Yes, it's like, where, where is it? I just need the line. I just need this one hits. Yes, must have one hits. Yes, I don't uh, know. I Mr. Robot says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is really rough for Elliot. And Mobley and Romero are not having it. Uh, they're arguing with Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot's the only one who stays. The rest of them bolt. And Elliot's like, just get me one hit. And this is uh, this is where we start getting into bad, bad issues, Josh. Yeah, Mr. Robot's like, all right, you want one hit? Sure, let's do it. Let me take you to a crack house where everything awful is going to happen. Yeah, uh, and shades of True Detective season one, I think. With <laughs> a little this, bit, uh, sure. Yeah, a bit of a track, kind of longer shot situation. And, yeah, yeah, track yeah. shot and, and into kind of a drug or dangerous environment. 
Uh, and as when, this is happening, we are now submerging into Vision territory. I think it's yes. safe to say. Um, yep. So we are we are definitely going down the robot hole at this point. This is you know we are we are now talking about Vision territory. So I think that we can talk a lot about imagery of what's going on here because it's wild. This I remember watching this the first time, and just like with every subsequent development, every like building move of this Vision, I was just increasingly confused and kind of loving it. Like I wasn't trying to. Piece anything together at the time. I kind of figured that this would be something that would be fun to go back and look on once the whole you know season or show really started to bear out. But in the moment, I was really just enjoying how absolutely bizarre and surreal the sequence was. Yeah, and I mean it goes from zero to sixty like right away. Right away. Because Elliot's voiceover, he starts saying things. Have I sunk this low? What must you think of me? Is it spring election year? Shall I hibernate? Did we meet in money we trust? No, I created. Stop. I can't control thoughts. I need this. I know I promised my last line, but he's just really weird. Like, he's really going off the rails as he's banging the rails. Uh, unfortunately, they want him to shoot up in this scene. Uh, he gets he shoot, he, there's, he gets shot he up. He gets shot up, like, yeah. There's really bad things happening. Uh, the girl right next to him uh, gets shot in the chest. Uh, then we see Elliot looking at a weather report. We know that it's it's late March. They see the, the temperature report for the mid to upper 80s, uh, and Elliot's watching this and the TV distorts. And then we get into Mr. Robot. It's Slater with the mask on giving a pretty standard speech. But the speech ends with, if you have any interest in waking from your slumber, in retrieving lost, damaged, or stolen memories, we're here for you. We have your back. We are F Society. And I think that that is, I mean, it's great that this is part of Elliot's vision because in some ways, Mr. Robot coming into his life has woken him from a slumber. Right. Uh, and, and it really has taken him out of this kind of day-to-day life he had and said, you have a higher purpose. You can do this thing where you can have a greater impact. Don't you want to do this? And it's great that Elliot being involved in F Society has given him the same thing that he's hearing Christian Slater as Mr. Robot with the mask on say that. Uh, but then we see the next scene, Josh. Yeah, we see the next scene where he uh, where he's he's hanging out with Mr. Robot. They're both wearing masks at this point. Yeah, and there's a key around the neck that the key is given to Elliot. Uh, Mr. Just Robot the staging takes- of it too is so strange. Like the physicality of them, just like looking at the camera and just you know the, the mask really adds a lot because you have no yes. idea what's going on underneath. Scary. there. Scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of no idea what's going on underneath there, uh, this is almost a reference to one of my favorite videos ever on the internet. Mr. Robot takes a mask off and he's just got another mask on. Yeah. Like. My favorite video is somebody who has a bucket on their head, and then they they get the bucket knocked off by a police officer, and there's just another bucket. Uh, it's buckets <laughs> all the way. It's buckets all the way down, Josh. It's I think it. I think it's in Russia, and uh, you know Russia going to do what Russia does. Oh yeah. So, so it's like the nesting buckets. Yes. It's, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. There's just a tiny little Beetlejuice head at the end of all of it, and there's just buckets all the way down. This is great. That's really no, but, funny. But this is, yeah, this is great. Mr. Robot takes the mask off and has another mask on. And so then Elliot puts the mask and key on. So then we have two Monopoly guy mask people standing there. And we're watching it basically through the video camera lens. It's fascinating. And Mr. Robot, in kind of a very menacing, scary voice, says, now find your monster and turn the key. Yeah. And then we get this great, speaking of meta, we get this great moment where Mr. Robot says, 
But first, a word from our co- corporate overlords, you know, right. and then we and we do we did when it's originally being broadcast cut to commercial. Well, it depends uh, on how you're watching it. You know, that is true. You know, I bought the first season on Amazon, so I'm just watching it straight through right now. There's no commercial breaks or anything, but I watched it on Hulu. If you're watching it on Hulu, maybe if you're I don't know if you're watching it on the USA app, if they have commercials there. Yes, they do. I would assume and so. But it cuts to commercial there. And the commercial <laughs> I saw was immediately for boner juice. It was like for <laughs> these pills can make you a better person. It's like. Wow, that's perfect for the world of this show that we jump right into made pharmaceuticals by, made to make by you happy. Romero. Yes, made by Romero Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, uh, but yeah, if you're watching it on the Blu-ray though, or if you're watching it in an unedited form, you still see a commercial, Josh. Yeah, you do. What do we see here? A crazy, a crazy ad for Evil Corp, which is crazy in that it seems like a real commercial. It's got the, you know, the the loving voiceover, like, here at E-Corp, we can do these many things for you. Banking, computers. And so this is a like a, a, a show within a show, a real commercial for E-Corp that the show put in there. And if you're watching it, if you're watching it without commercials, you still see that word from their corporate overlords. It just so happens that their corporate overlords are E-Corp. If you're watching it first run, on any app, on any place with commercials, you see real commercials. And then when you come back from commercial, you see the E-Corp commercial. So it's fascinating to put that in the show. It plays both ways wonderfully. Uh, it's just really a genius move, I think, by the show to, to kind of work that in there. Alfred Hitchcock on Alfred Hitchcock Presents used to famously, dryly make fun of his sponsors as he was taking the show to commercial. Yeah, uh, And this was a way of kind of tying that in and saying, you know, Mr. Robot is interesting because under all this anti-corporate, anti-society you know, uh, sort of talk, this is a show that's being made to make money for a TV network. Yeah, uh, And so it, 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 the, the commenting out of the side of their mouth on that uh, I think is really brilliant and really fun stuff. And the fact that they're also able to get secondary mileage out of that by putting an E-Corp commercial after the bump. Uh, if you're watching a first run, or that's the commercial you see if you're not. It's really great. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. Then we cut to Elliot. He's in like this, you know, kind of beautiful day neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Your favorite. You love oh, that. You love I love that. that. Yeah, it's one of my top 29 shows. One of your top 29 shows. Uh, we have Elliot strolling around, and he gets to a mailbox. It's the Aldersons. It's 404 on the mailbox, which is a great little touch. Obviously, yes. the error 404 code. Uh, that's really funny. Yeah, it's great. And, and, and we see a little girl riding a Razor scooter, and he says, hello, hello, friend. And yeah. she says, hello. we're not friends. Hello, friend. <laughs> hello, friend. Yeah, we're not friends. You're a stranger. <laughs> stranger yes. danger. Stranger danger. What happened to that house where there's just a telephone pole with an error 404 on it? I don't know. Like, Let's, we got to find that. We got to go uh, track that down. And then the little girl says, can you tell me what your monster is? And sort of giggles ruefully. And if a little, if a child ever tells you that and giggles at you, uh, I got to tell you, I'm running away. Is Especially that when she, when she then proceeds to like scoot past you, like scooter past you singing Frere Jacques, uh, yeah. that might be a key that you're about to die. Like that's just a clue that you're in Silent Hill and you're probably about to be murdered. <laughs> yeah, this is great. You're making a good point. Uh, Silent Hill. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, so this I mean, we can talk about we, we, this is without getting into the spoilers. We know that these are things that Elliot is experiencing throughout his withdrawals. Um, we know we're not, we know we're not experiencing real real stuff here. Uh, and so the first thing we see, you know, with the violence, if you want to say that's a Damon, this this may be somewhat how tied to uh, you know fear or subconscious thoughts about how his drug addiction can lead you into that really dark place. And the second one, of course, uh, if you want to say subconscious, this is 
Elliot, I don't know what this is. Like, this is Elliot maybe subconsciously thinking about um, that, that he's got a monster and that he needs a key to unlock this monster and he can't really progress in, in terms of executing the plan and being part of F society without unlocking this monster. The third one, this is, I think, clearly uh, meant to represent uh, some, some part of his childhood yeah. because we see the Aldersons on the mailbox. Uh, we don't know. He's not really saying exactly what it is uh, that's going on here, uh, but he you know, we, we do see him kind of thinking about his childhood here and his childhood home is not there anymore. And he can't even get any information about it without again, first confronting his monster and the girl gives him the key and, and, and she's Frere, you know, Frere Jacques a silent healing her way through all of it. Uh, and then Elliot ends up back at his apartment and Tyrell is there. Josh. Yeah, just, so, just chilling, straight yeah. chilling. He's not even the most important part of this part of the sequence. The most important part of the sequence is Goliath himself. Keith, David is providing the voice for QWERTY the fish and he is really not thrilled about his uh, his view he he wants a new view Yes, he wants a new view. He tells Elliot, you need to join America's Navy. Uh, and it's really, really funny. No, he doesn't say that. He basically says, unsettling, I know, your pet beta fish chatting you up. Time yeah. is money. And then Elliot's like, do you, do you need something? Do you need some change? When you live in a fishbowl, ain't no such thing as change. This is great. And the punchline is the best, Josh. Yeah, there's really only one thing you can do for a brother in a fishbowl. Boom to a goddamn window. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, even. Man. I mean, I don't. I don't know where to begin with do this think, one. Do you think that Qwerty is wondering how Elliot got the beans over the Frank? <laughs> That's a good question. Not the same person. Is that the same person? Yeah, it's the same person. Oh, I did not know that. I yeah. thought uh, for some for some reason I thought that something about Mary guy was the guy from. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's Keith David. That's yeah. great. How'd you get How'd you get the beat above the Frank? How'd you get the beat over the Frank? That's great. Yeah. That's really uh, so I love this. I mean, this is I, I like. You gotta wonder, like, you know, why is Keith David here? Is it just because his voice is the best? And like, you know, you like, even if you don't know who Keith David is, you recognize that voice. Like, you yeah. watched Gargoyles, or you, you know, seen him in commercials, or you've seen him in something about Mary, or you watched that awesome Spawn cartoon. Like, you know that voice. That voice yeah. is familiar. Platoon. I mean, like he's yeah. got some iconic roles for sure. He's a great actor. Yeah, but he's a fish. <laughs> and here he is as a fish. He did a, he did a walk-on role. Yeah. So far as we know, through this this point in the series, he did a one-day walk-on role to do the voice of Qwerty. You know, uh, it's not quite as ridiculous as George Clooney like barking as a dog on South Park, but like no. it's it's still pretty good. No, it, and, and this is, I mean, I don't know what this demon is. I really, I don't have a, I, do you have any thoughts on what this might represent? Because Tyrell is holding that key again. And we talked about Elliot finding his monster and the key has been kind of present throughout all of these scenes. Uh, and the, the fish is telling Elliot time is money. I don't know if this is, the, if the fish is like tied to Elliot working at all safe, but working against Evil Corp, even though he's supposed to be protecting them. Uh, and Tyrell is sort of the manifestation of that. Uh, and Elliot's kind of got anxiety over that. Well, I think I it's instructive to look at it like from that point of view. I think that's a good call is like, does this represent, you know, sort of the corporate life and like being trapped in a fishbowl and not having a lot of room? And you certainly don't have a window view if you're stuck in a cubicle. Right. And then it's immediately contrasted. It cuts straight to this dinner scene, this restaurant 
restaurant scene where everyone's eating the black fish. Uh, if Elliot is QWERTY, everybody is eating QWERTY at this restaurant that's actually just all safe moonlighting as a restaurant. Uh, it's like, you know, this, this corporate job, the corporate life devours you. Um, it eats you alive. Even like good people are eating you alive. Like Angela is devouring uh, her QWERTY. Uh, so I think that you could look at that as a, as a possible explanation for what he's seeing here with the fish. Yeah, and Elliot, Elliot, I think that's a really good point because it is it is a slam cut. Essentially, we go right to the all safe romantic dinner scene. There, can a I be honest with you too? By yeah, the way, yeah. uh, I have never been able to look at Angela the same ever again since she just like mowed down that really disgusting looking fish. Yeah, that's pretty rough. This was uh, like, this was a this was like something that I've never been able to fully come back from. Like every time I see Angela on screen in Mr. Robot, I'm like, but you ate Gordy. But you ate a giant quarry that looked like it was on a bed of nerds. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that a Christian Slater movie, Bed of Nerds? It might be. Yeah, with Mary Stuart Masterson. Yes, that's definitely Uh, what it is. (laughs) No question about it. That's absolutely what that movie's called. But yeah, this has always been tough for me to get past. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I, it's funny because what it makes Elliot think of. Clearly, uh, I have a hard time with like sloppy, like gross depictions of food eating. Uh, it's like a hard thing for me as yeah, I've seen gotta, with the McDamon and now with the giant fish on top of the bed of nerds. Eating and eyes. You have some very specific proclivities or problems. I sure. do. I really do. But it's interesting because what does this do for Elliot's subconscious? It makes him think, that's the chick I need to marry, right? Right, yeah. Cause, <laughs> like, Well, is he proposing to her or does Angela just like kind of be like, oh, yeah, I, I say yes, I say yes. Well, what's interesting about it, I think, on, on the, the biggest level is that she's, she's really like uh, he's – he gets a Raspberry Pi to, you know, like actually serve to him, which is, of course, funny considering the Raspberry Pi is the computer device that they're going to use to put behind the climate control system to execute the hack. Right. He eats it and pulls the key out of his mouth, the key to unlocking his monster or the truth. And Angela interprets that as a as a engagement ring. Uh, and even though Elliot is really literally trying to pull this key to unlocking the truth from his mouth, uh, she interprets it as, oh, let's get married. Then all of a sudden, Elliot's, you know, Elliot's ready. This is what's going on and uh it's fascinating because we have this great song that come on that comes on uh i think it's uh i think the song is called queen i'm not sure if this is the original band who did it or not but elliot is in his hoodie as you pointed out josh with the bow tie yeah he looks great i love this i mean there's so much hype for the tuxedo t-shirt this is a really strong tuxedo look as well Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're going to get married in F society headquarters. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, we've got this very interesting kind of, uh, discussion and Angela says to Elliot, you're not going to do it. Are you change the world figures? You were only born a month ago Uh and you're afraid, afraid of your monster. Do you even know what it is? It doesn't fit. She says, giving Elliot the, you know, the thing back. And she says, why not? Isn't it obvious? You're not Elliot. You're, and then we cut away from it. So this scene is really crazy as right. well. Yeah, very, yeah. very crazy as well. And that seems to be just about the end of the vision. There's a little tiny bit left where he's kind of just wandering around and being like, where am I? Am I alone? Am I, is anyone here? Is my friend here? Are you my monster? Are you, you my know? monster? Yeah. 
Yeah, and obviously I think from a subconscious standpoint, that last one, after Angela has sort of rejected him and saying, you know, it doesn't fit and he is alone, that subconscious daemon or, or that kind of thing that's running in the background of Elliot at all times is that kind of fear of being alone uh, and that kind of fear that he'll be rejected by the people that are closest to him and that he doesn't fit with them uh, and that, he, that, that loneliness. We know the loneliness is a key aspect of Elliot's character. We saw him crying in the first episode talking about what do normal people do when they feel that loneliness. Right. And so here we see that that is probably his last demon that comes to the surface, uh, the, the demon that arrives in the form of talking about loneliness. Yeah. So this whole sequence, uh, all seven of them, there are seven total scenes, really fascinating stuff with Elliot's character. Like I said, the things that Elliot's thinking about, whether it's being a corporate drone stuck in that corporate fishbowl, uh, whether it's the, the places that his drug addiction can take him, uh, whether it's whether he's ready to really be part of F society and step up and be the force of nature that Mr. Robot is saying, whether it's not fitting in with Angela uh, and being alone, all these things are really bubbling up to the surface. And I think that that's fantastic stuff. I mean, that's this is obviously the meat uh, in the McDamon that is this episode. Yeah. So it's really, really great. No, it's really good. And Elliot waking up in the motel room and realizing that this was all, you know, this was all a dream and everything. And everyone's gone and Romero is gone and Mobley's gone and everyone has left him. And it turns out, nope, he's not alone. Mr. Robot's there. I'm not going anywhere, kiddo. We're in this to the end. Uh, Really great stuff from Mr. Robot there, I think. Like, you know, again, like Christian Slater's playing this character with a lot of depth and a lot of different sides to him. Uh, And to see this, you know, sort of gentler side of him, it's a really nice look. I think that that's really great at the end of this really long nightmare. Especially considering he shoved him off of a rail at the end of episode (laughs) two. Like, this is, again, we can't... keep coming back to that because we've seen Mr. Robot be a monster and be the kindest person, the, the, per, the, the true ride or die, the go-to person who will be there for you when you really need them. Uh, and I think that that's fascinating. We talked again earlier in this episode about the other pairings that go on. The next several scenes really link the pairings. We see Darlene and Trenton ultimately finding the Dark Army connection. Through what do you scary- think about that with the, with the two Dark Army guys in the car where they're like, give us the phone! You know, yeah. Like the really extreme hand gestures. It feels like it's a little much. Well, in the Chinese opera masks, those are the masks that those people are wearing. Everybody's putting on masks uh, to protect their identities right. in this in this show. Uh, so I think that the mask stuff is heavy there. It is a little over the top. It is, I think, meant to be very scary and intimidating for Trenton and Darlene. Darlene doesn't seem very – she's totally nonplussed really by it, but, uh, but Trenton is very kind of taken aback by it, and I think understandably so. Uh, but Darlene ultimately gets out of this limo. Uh, and when she finds her connection, it's your boy Turtle. Ah, uh, Turtle, uh, what's is, up? It is Cisco. Yeah. Not actually Turtle from Entourage, I don't think. Uh, just a guy who might, you know, really is occupying that space in the world. Uh, Cisco is his name. Not also, not actually Cisco of the Thong Song fame. Not 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 going on there. So not Cisco uh, Ramon of the Flash. Yeah. Not Cisco Ramona the Flesh, not Cis Coach, uh, <laughs> who is a famous musical performer. So yeah, yeah very none talented of these people, man. Yeah, none of these people. Uh, but we find out not only is that her connection, that's also her ex that she talked about earlier in the series, uh, who she left because he had the audacity to want to marry her. Right. Oh, so we're giving Turtle some depth. You know, I never liked it when they gave Turtle a love story. I always thought that that was a bad direction <laughs> for that character. Yeah, and th- this part of the F Society entourage uh, is a very interesting <laughs> link for sure. I'm waiting for Ari to turn up. <laughs> oh, yeah. When is that going to happen? I Did, don't know. Wasn't he already the guy screaming, Lloyd? 
<laughs> he may have been. That's yeah. a good. That's a fair point. That probably yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, but so- yeah, this is a, yeah, this is interesting because that scene with Cisco, he says the guys I'm, I work for aren't motivated by kumbaya shit like saving the world. And so we realized he works for F Society or not F Society. He works for the Dark, Dark Army. Army. Yeah. Darlene is trying to get the Dark Army to engage to execute this hack. But what Darlene doesn't realize is the Dark Army has an end around, that they've got this thing that they're doing with Angela, uh, whether it's Angela or Ollie, that they've begun this thing where they want to hack all safe on their own, that this is something that they want to do. And the scary part is when Cisco says, like, they don't work for this kumbaya shit. Like, they, they do, you know, they do bad things. We've already heard Elliot talk about how they work with terrorists. It's not clear at this point in the series what their goal is with getting this hack put in at all safe, but it doesn't seem to be related to what Darlene wants them to do, uh, which is hack the backup servers in China. We're not; It's not 100% clear that those two things are connected. Am I right about that? Yeah, I think that that's right. I think that it's not entirely clear, at least right now. Yeah, and we'll talk in the spoiler section maybe about uh, what this perhaps could mean in the moment. But in the moment, I think on this episode, we don't really know uh, what the goals of the Dark Army are vis-a-vis F Society. If that is happening at the same time, maybe Crazy Elliot ran an end around and Darlene just doesn't know about it, uh, or something else has happened. But they seem to be working on a hack that may or may not be related to what Darlene wants them to do. And Darlene is just, the, the, what she leaves this episode with ultimately is just begging Cisco to talk to them, to get them to try to take action. All of this just for a conversation. This all could have been easily avoided if you just let a little love into your heart, Darlene. Speaking of letting love into her heart, uh, what's going on with Angela and Shayla, Josh? They're making out. They're making out. They're kissy, making out. They're having kissy FaceTime. Yeah, and, and I think Shayla is so awesome. She, she basically says to Angela, like, hey, there's no point in worrying. Don't worry about these things. Uh, don't worry about your life, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. She gives her great advice, and she makes her look in the mirror, and she drops the Michelle Fitzgerald line on her. Uh, yeah. See that badass bee? Yeah. Uh, that's the only person you should ever worry about. And then they just, uh, like, start, like, dancing to the music yeah, a little bit. Bummed it's awesome. And, yeah, it's Shayla is the best. Shayla is the best. I was watching the scene with my wife her first time watching this episode. She's now seen the whole season, and that scene happened, and she just, like, looked at me, and she just, like, was nodding her She's like, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's a great pump up moment. It's really fun. I love that scene where Shayla's just like, yeah, that B.A.B., that's the only one you got to worry about. Yeah, pumps her up enough that she goes right into that office, goes to Ollie's computer and executes it. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't great advice at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but generally, that's not bad advice. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the end of the Angela and uh, Shayla story for this episode, and the Darlene wraps up with just the conversation. We do see Trenton ultimately getting kind of a quiet moment back at F Society HQ, praying, uh, and, you know, using the kind of uh, scarf that's been provided to her. I really like Trenton. I want to see more of this character, because she was nervous, I think, throughout the scene. Pairing her with Darlene, I think, is great, because Darlene seems very irresponsible and just kind of angry at the world, and Trenton seems to be very kind of... Uh, what the word I'm looking for is she's patient. She seems to be uh, very thoughtful or very kind of, uh, I don't know. She, she just really seems to be processing things very slowly. Yeah. And Darlene is just out of control, swinging limbs wildly, crashing throughout the world. And I think that that pairing is great. Uh, and Elliot, Elliot's back. He's back, Josh. Uh, by the end of this episode, he's drank the Mobley juice. He's, Mobley has the Romero juice. The Romero juice. Sorry. Yes. The Mobley juice is just like ketchup and mustard. Yeah. With and just like the juice of the, the meat of the, 
McDamon sandwich. Yes, um, he's drank the he's drank the the Moreno juice, and uh, so that or the Romero juice, and that's where we are. Yeah, that's where we are. So he's having that. He seems to be you know straightened up again. He's having clear voiceovers. Uh, he's talking about how you know demons they don't stop working. They're always active. They seduce. They manipulate. They own us. Um, you know, he's talking about all of that. And he says the only silver lining is when we break through, we find a silver lining on the other side. Yeah. Uh, and that's all very nice. And it's it's a great final shot that kind of mirrors the beginning of the episode where they are driving on the freeway, on, on the on the on the highway, uh, on their way to upstate New York, Antonio, a place you oh. and I are very familiar with. I don't know what you're talking about. And there's the you know, the dotted lines all along the way that kind of represent the many lines. You know, he had one last line. It turns out there are many lines still to go uh so it's just a great final shot i think that's the taconic state parkway i could be corrected but that's what it looks like to me as someone who has driven on that road a little bit in the past um but well, this is new york new york not canadian new it york it's not canadian new york but i might be wrong about that there's a lot of uh roads in upstate new york that look like that one but it just looked a little taconic ish to me uh and it was just it's a great great final shot one of the great final shots of any mr robot episode I agree. I agree. And I, I think kind of, uh, you know, Elliot's voiceover leaves us on this episode and, and we'll wrap up uh, the non-spoiler section, I think in a kind of foreboding way, even though it's hopeful a little bit, because uh, he also says that some point in action without user interaction will come along and sweep his legs. Right. Uh, we may have seen that already. Uh, you know, when he just has to counter with a crane kick. You just ha- yeah, you got to sweep the. If you're going to sweep the leg, you got to go the crane kick, right. right? So these these things have happened to Elliot in the past, and, and he he has his demons. I don't think we. He's basically indicating. I like when he says like, "Hello again, long time no." Whatever it is we do, right. did you leave or did I? Uh, he just knows that the demons aren't gone. Like at some point they're going to come back up and bite him. And even though he, there's a silver lining on the other side of. Uh, of breaking through, uh, and he's on his way to all safe. He's still operating with these kind of subconscious processes operating in the background. So at some point he's worried they're going to rise up and get him. And I think that even though we were hope we're hopeful at the end of this podcast, it's foreboding. It's foreboding for sure. This is a great episode because you go into it thinking that this is going to be the steel mountain episode, that this is going to be the episode where Elliot and F society are getting to steel mountain. They're doing all their stuff. Uh, mild Total deviation, yeah, mild spoiler alert. We'll get there next week Uh, and that'll be a great episode to talk through but he had to deal with some stuff right here and all of that was really really fascinating so i love this episode i think it's a really strong episode that vision is wild we are about to unpack it in even more detail in the spoiler filled section do not go there unless you've seen all of season one of mr robot really strongly advise that you do not follow us down the robot hole any further we've got a lot of hashtag options for the spoiler free section uh We've got Romero juice. We've got McDamon. We've got McDamon. I think McDamon's got to be the one. Yeah, McDamon and Josh. Real quick, should we plug uh, the the podcast? Of course, one? absolutely. So if you guys don't know this yet, uh, Post Show Recaps is very exciting. We are nominated for not one but two podcast awards uh, at podcastawards.com. You can vote. Once per day, every day, if you would like to support us, we would really greatly, greatly appreciate it. Really easy. You just have to vote uh, on podcastawards.com in the two categories or more, depending on what you want to do. You have to give them your full name and email address. Uh, You have to verify your email address after you vote. Sometimes that email Podcast Awards sends goes to your spam filter. So look there if you don't see it immediately in your inbox. Then you just have to click a link and it's done. Uh, Really, really simple process. We would really appreciate it. We've got some 
steaks on the line. Uh, actual steaks? Actual steaks. Uh, boar steaks, perhaps, depending on how great this goes. Uh, I announced this earlier in the week on Poster Recaps, but for you guys who have not heard this yet, if we win one podcast award, we are going to bring back a popular podcast we did early on in Post Show Recaps is Run. Lost Lives was a podcast that we did about Lost in the summer of 2014 as we were building up to the 10-year anniversary of the series premiere of the show. We haven't done a Lost Lives podcast since the, the I think the spring of 2015 was the last one we did. If we win one podcast award, we are going to bring Lost Lives back this summer. We will have a bunch of Lost Lives podcasts for your summer season. If we win both podcast awards, Antonio, if we win both the People's Choice and TV and Film, the two podcasts that we're up for, we will do a full-scale rewatch podcast of Lost Season 1. We'll do it similarly to how we are doing Mr. Robot. We will have a spoiler-free section for people who have never watched Lost. We will have a spoiler-filled section for people who love Lost or who have not watched it in a while but know the whole thing. It'll be a really detailed rewatch of Season 1, probably some other bonuses along the way. It'll be very similar to what we're doing here on Robot Road. I'm really excited. I would really, really like to do that. Let's win some podcast awards and let's make that possible. That is a major undertaking that that you would sign up for, Josh. And so I understand why it's uh, why it's the treat uh, for us to do that because that is going to be that's going to require a lot. It's going to require a, it's going to require a lot. But if we win podcast awards, that shows me that people really want it. So I would like to do it as well. Let's see if we can win some awards. Let's see if we can take home the title. And if we can, we will bring back Lost Lives in a really major way this summer. It'll be awesome. really really fun to do. Awesome. Uh, so that's it. Follow Antonio. He's on Twitter at AC Mazzaro. Two Z's, one R. I'm at Round Howard. Give us the hashtag McDamon if you made it through the spoiler-free section. And now we are going to yara yara our way through some music as we get into the spoiler-filled section. Do not follow us any further unless you've seen all of Mr. Robot Season 1. You are in the spoiler-filled section of Mr. Robot podcasting here on Poster Recaps, talking about episode four, talking about Damon's, talking about it from the perspective of having watched the entire first season. Of Darth Mr. Vader Robot. is Luke's father. Darth Vader is Luke's father. Spoiler. It's, it's really, really messed up. Uh, do not be here if you have not watched all of Mr. Robot season one. This is your only final warning. That is it. We are now talking about it. This episode is awesome, as we said, on first glance, but really really rich when you know the big reveal of season one. Uh, yeah. wh- wh- how, do, how do we want to dive into this, Antonio? Just full well, on, just all the way? I just, my question is, there's a lot of talk throughout all these visions about Elliot finding his monster. Is Mr. Right. Robot his monster? Yeah, to you? That, that is? for sure. And there's like a ton of language in here. Like you don't even know you were born a month ago. It's been about a month since Mr. Robot revealed himself to Elliot. Uh, you know, there's just a ton in here in terms of the language. And when Angela says, you're not even you, you're, and it cuts because she's about to say, you're Mr. Robot. <laughs> you know? so, yes. so there is a lot there that, you know, his, his Damon, the thing he doesn't really know yet and is starting to piece together I think in this vision subconsciously even if he's not ready to voice it out loud is that yo I am Mr. Robot you're going to make me say it yeah yeah uh, and it's great I mean it really is great the the Tyrell part too uh, seeing Tyrell in the 
in Elliot's apartment. Uh, there's a lot of talk, obviously, whether Tyrell is some kind of double of Elliot. I think from what we see on the show that that, that is kind of not possible. Wouldn't you agree? We've yeah, talked no, about that. We talked about that. I don't think that Tyrell could be another version of Elliot. But it is possible that Tyrell could be in league with Elliot in a, in a bigger way probable than we've seen on, even, we've yeah. seen on screen. Yeah, probable even. Because yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier, uh, earlier in, the, in this very podcast where Elliot is saying that's what Tyrell said. Um, right. And there really actually isn't, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's the moment that we, you know, maybe it's in an email, maybe not. I think that the stronger implication, and especially when you look at that talk between them in episode two, and when you look at future conversations between Tyrell and Elliot is that these guys have been in league for a minute. You know, they've been in league a little bit longer than we certainly are led to believe at this point. Yeah, and we need to put a pin in that because clearly next episode is going to be the episode where that really all really Hunch. comes to the surface. Uh, but it, it is interesting that uh, that Tyrell is there in his apartment in the kind of corporate, uh, the, the, fish, the corporate fishbowl kind of monologue because Tyrell maybe represents the opposite of that. Tyrell is not, he's not speaking in that scene. He is holding the key. He's sitting in front of Elliot's computer. Uh, and maybe he represents the night job version of Elliot's day job. Uh, the day job being the fishbowl, the night job being, uh, what are we going to do here? We're going to hack. We're going to do all these things together and take down Terry Colby and maybe take down evil corp in a way that, uh, will allow you to rise up. So, fascinating stuff there for sure. Uh, and like you said, also comes out with a, this is what Tyrell was talking about. Uh, so that's all really great. Um, I just, I think the, the language about Elliot, the kind of thing where he talks about daemons represent their monitoring, logging notifications, primal urges, repressed memories. He talks about, he mentions that certainly there. Uh, I think that that's really great. Um, I think that that, that really comes to the surface when he's mentioning the, the repressed memories, Mr. Robot's monologue, Josh, where we're watching the two of them through the camera. And Mr. Robot says, if you have any interest in waking from your slumber, this right. is before we're watching that in retrieving lost, damaged or stolen memory, Josh, we are here for you. We have, yes. you back yeah yes. no he's talking straight to elliot it's like hey elliot if you want to ever wake up and acknowledge that you and i are the same guy that's on the table we could do this you know we could have that happen at any point that you'd like yeah and when other people other actual people like romero and mobley are leaving elliot um, Elliot's Mr. Robot is staying with him. Uh, and that's not a normal person. Like it's not a, a physical corporeal being staying with him. That's his demon. That's yeah. his monster staying with him even in this moment. But in this moment, his monster is soothing him and calming him. Yeah, no, he's, he's helping him through it. You know, he right. is, you know, he is, he, he is Elliot's only friend here in this moment. You know, Elliot needs somebody at the end of this thing. And I think that that's great is, you know, when he wakes up, I'm alone, I'm alone. And Mr. Robot emerges from the shadows and says, you're not alone. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere, kiddo. In the moment, that feels very soothing. Like that's a really nice reveal that uh, in this dark, dark hour that Elliot just went through, he's got somebody there to provide some light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, we can see the silver lining is that we can see the silver lining together. Uh, but it has a much darker connotation when you know that Mr. Robot and Elliot are the same guy and him saying, I'm not going anywhere, kiddo, and saying, you're not alone. Well, Elliot is kind of alone, except for that really, really strange kind of nasty voice in his head. So this comforting moment takes on really sinister meaning when you know the full picture. Yeah, and what's really great about that is earlier, earlier when Elliot is kind of first 
going into the uh, into the withdrawals when he's in the car and he's giving this the first speech about Damon's, and he mentions repressed memories and the things that are always there. He says, "You can try to be right, you can try to be good, you can try to make a difference, but it's all bullshit because intentions don't matter. They don't drive us. Damon's do, and me, I've got more than most." And so. On the surface, Elliot is trying to, quote-unquote, do the right thing. The right thing being take evil corp down, free people from debt slavery, free the people who are repressed and oppressed as a result of what evil corp is doing across the world. That is the, quote-unquote, right thing, according to what Elliot's doing. Right. But his demons, his, his subconscious, his repressed memory, is actually what, what's driving him to do that. And it's probably not for good intentions. It's probably because... That company hurt him, hurt his dad, hurt his life, and that's the real reason he wants to do it. Not the good intentions reason, not the try to make a difference reason. You can try to do it for that reason, but ultimately your demon's going to be what drives you. Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated thing, because what is the real reason? And can it be both? Can it be both is the ultimate question, because this is Elliot in two... Those things both exist in Elliot. Elliot is in two spheres. Yeah, he's a man broken broken in half. You know, he's, He's on both sides of that one last line. Right, exactly, because he is trying to do good things, and he is consciously trying to do these things that he thinks are right, and as a matter of fact, the whole Raspberry Pi plan itself is in service of him not killing people and not blowing up the thing that his demon was encouraging him to do. Right. So he is absolutely a man at war with himself, uh, and it's very fascinating to look at the actions that Elliot does take against Evil Corp as a product of a man at war with himself, for good reasons and for bad. Yeah, and there's other stuff to unpack in the vision, like when Mr. Robot gives Elliot the Monopoly mask and says, this was made just for your head. Uh, well, it's because they've got the same head. Like, it's yeah. going gonna, gonna to fit both heads pretty evenly. Yeah, and I think that that's great. That's a really good point here. Uh, and I think that, that it's, it's fascinating. The stuff with Angela is, is on a, a little bit of a different plane. You're right. She is about to say, like, you're Mr. Robot. Uh, but there's also this just that they don't fit, that they maybe together don't work, and that there's something between them that's a blockade. And the blockade is Elliot's lack of normalcy. It's that Elliot is schizo. It's that Elliot can't, like, he can't live in a world where he's just Elliot. Uh, and even though he and Angela are really close and she even probably knows that about him because she say he's had issues in the past uh it is not a, a situation where ultimately that, that that is a block for the two of them and that's a problem and i think that boils to the surface here as well is that subconsciously he knows that his own demons prevent him and angela from really working out right and i mean if you're looking you know if you're looking at this as kind of like foreshadowing future events instead of you know just being Elliot's psyche if like we could remove ourselves from that level for a bit i think that this is actually telling us a little bit about where Angela's headed, uh, you know, completely separate from Elliot. Uh, I think, you know, I, this whole idea of like if QWERTY in the fishbowl is the person stuck in the cubicle and you can't get out and it's just like a real um, cry against corporate culture and everything like that, you see Angela is the one who is just mowing down QWERTY in the next scene. And I think that that's very instructive about where Angela goes this season, where she is really going to be trying to take down Evil Corp, and she's going to try and work with Terry Colby to make that happen. But in the end, or at least by the end of the season, she's going to be the person looking at the fishbowl. You know, she's going to be one of the people who is, whether she likes it or not, is going to be eating the little fish. Um, So I think, you know, obviously this isn't something that Elliot could possibly know, but I think it's on the show, and I think that that's something that you can read into a little bit. 
Yeah, I think that that's right. And I think that that's, I think it's just fascinating because we also have Darlene in one of Elliot's visions. We see young Darlene, uh, and we see Darlene basically humming and singing Frere Jacques. Is that Darlene? It is Darlene because later Elliot mentions she would ride around on her scooter and sing Frere Jacques. Got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll flag that when he mentions it in a later episode. But uh, it is Darlene, and she's basically kind of maniacally laughing at him, Silent Hill style, as you say, telling telling you know him you have to you have to reveal your monster, you have to tell me what's going on, and I think she's basically saying like you can find out what happened to that house after you reveal your monster, and I think. That's all kind of instructive of what happens in episode nine, which is uh, when Elliot finds his monster vis-a-vis realizing that he is Mr. Robot. Uh, And then he goes through that whole kind of vision quest where he goes back to the neighborhood and he's he's traipsing throughout Washington Township. He's just he's going all around and he ends up at his dad's grave, ultimately. Uh, And he's remembering that his monster vis-a-vis that Darlene ends up being there. Uh, And so that that's all really kind of interestingly set up here a little bit. Uh, and I think that that's great. I mean, there's just a lot really going on here and little stuff, big stuff, all of it really, uh, is just really playing out here. Yeah. I mean, Elliot's on the cusp of, you know, admitting to himself in the very first scene of the vision that he created Mr. Robot. Uh, you know, he goes to the, to the, to the dope house, you know, he goes there and he's talking about, have I, have I sunk this low? What must you think of me? Is it spring election year? Shall I hibernate? Did we meet in money? We trust no, I created stop. Like I like he's about to say I created this. Like I created Mr. Robot. Right. Uh, so there's you know he is just on the cusp of admitting it to himself. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that that's uh, a lot of people took this this scene where the the guy at the drug house talks to Christian Slater as evidence that he was real for like a minute and a half, and then they're like, okay, no, this isn't happening. So right. no, he's not real again. And the show's playing games with people as they were watching it real time in that regard, and I think that that's. That's fantastic and, and really fun to play with. But you're right. Elliot's throughout realizing, he maybe realizes that, I mean, just the whole you were only born a month ago, uh, it, that, that phrase occurs in his subconscious vision. Uh, so he recognizes, even in his subconscious, that he was really only born a month ago. So he knows subconsciously that something is going on. I also think that's a great meta line because this is episode four. So the show was only born a month ago when right. that line is uttered. So that's great. Yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, anything else from the vision itself? I mean, I thought that we would actually have a ton to unpack, but I think we unpacked it pretty well in a spoiler-free way. And really, the main spoiler-filled thing is like, this monster he's talking about, it's himself, and it's Christian Slater. Yeah, uh, no, I think that that's, I think that's all the, the main stuff. I, I, I do wonder uh, if there, if anybody has any other thoughts on this. Uh, people have kind of contacted us and said they don't know exactly the best way to leave feedback on these podcasts. If you want to leave comments at postshowrecaps.com on our show pages or each episode's page, um, just put spoiler alert uh, at the beginning of your comment with uh, big capital letters and maybe include some spaces there. Uh, and, you know, you can still comment on the website. You can also always send us feedback josh how, what's the best way to send us feedback post show com slash feedback is our feedback yeah. form and you can just send mr robot stuff through there no biggie you can get that in that's really easy to do we will we will always be able to read those emails 
Yeah, and we'll be, ha- we'll be happy to talk about them in spoiler sections as as appropriate, uh, and not spoil anybody with the feedback. And nobody that sees that feedback is going to get spoiled. So, if anybody has any other observations about this, because clearly this sort of surreal, uh, kind of not necessarily, I don't know, uh, real <laughs> surreal is the same thing, but not necessarily clear vision. Uh, may, you may have different interpretations than we're talking about, whether it's with the corporate fishbowl, whether it's the Tyrell Wellick being there, uh, or the scene between Elliot and. Mr. Robot. So we'd love to hear some other interpretations of these scenes. I also want to point out, um, there, there really is a great post on Reddit about this. Uh, if you're a Redditor or if you, I know some people that have listened to this podcast have said they're getting into the Mr. Robot, uh, Reddit. Uh, I would definitely recommend tracking down, uh, this post. It is from, let's see, it's from 10 months ago, submitted by user. Oh my gosh. It's, uh, Caherbalicious, Caherbalicious, and it's basically a very detailed post, and there's some great responses to that post about what people th- people's thoughts about these visions are. So uh, I think all that's great. Um, one thing I want to mention, Josh, what do you make anything of Elliot's continued visions of his mom? Like what what we've seen now three of them in the context of this series. The one in this episode, of course, Elliot's mom is looks to be force feeding him the same kind of fish that Angela is eating when right. he looks over in the corner of the restaurant. You make anything of these repeated thoughts of Elliot's mom? Well, we're going to see her in the end of the season, right? When when Mr. Robot is in Times Square and it's like the whole family together again. Yes, um, yes. And I'm I I don't have like a huge unifying thought about her from this season, but I do wonder like how important is she going to be moving forward? Like how much of a presence is she going to be? Is the whole family going to manifest? Yeah, it's a fair question. I'm also really curious. I really hope in season two that we get some of how Elliot brought F society together, uh, because I think there are some things missing. I think one thing Sam Esmail has made clear is that the episode 10, which we'll, we'll get into the surrealism of that episode. And when you're talking about the family showing up and everything, uh, not all of that I think was happening in real time. Like not, obviously not all of that. His mom didn't show up. Like Elliot is imagining a lot of what is happening there. How much we don't know. So I'm fascinated to see in season two if we get any more information about how much of what happened in episode 10 was real or not. And then I also I, I do want to get uh, in season two some background into some of these other people because we, we do learn more about Romero in this in this season. We learn about his THC activities and his science activities. We don't learn as much about Mobley uh, and Trenton. We do see Trenton in college at one point. Uh, but I, I really would love to know what these people's connections to F. How did Elliot find them? Uh, what is their role? Because Romero and Mobley are kind of very skeptical of Elliot and pretty much ready to bold, it seems like, except they go out and get the juice or the ingredients and then they do come back. So it is fascinating to track, I think, They're the F Society people's roles vis-a-vis their relations to Elliot throughout the course of this first season. And I think there's a lot more to mine there for content in season two. Yeah, I hope so. I really like these characters a lot. Uh, I think they're all great. I think that they're really, you know, they're, they're a little sketchily drawn so far um, at this point in the show. Certainly Romero probably has the most detail of any of these three characters as we're going to move forward in the season i would love to see more of them i think that they're all great characters and this episode is really fun because you get to see a little bit more of them in uh you know see a little bit more of their individuality come out yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. And speaking of individuality coming out, we do get more with Cisco in this episode. Turtle. We we talked a little bit about the 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 F's, the Dark Army plan as as it exists uh, in previous spoiler sections, and it seems clear that this hack that that Angela instigates allows 
the dark army to see inside all safe to the point where they don't feel comfortable pulling the trigger with the server hack later on after the the steel mountain plan is initiated um, they realize that the server is a honeypot through the work that they get with this hack and so it's possible that they would have said yes and they would have participated if this hack showed them that they didn't have anything to be worried about right we don't really know what their motivations are clearly white rose uh, is going to be a bigger character going forward because of the post credit scene in the finale so i think in this moment it's important to recognize that they didn't feel comfortable i don't think with what was going on and it was only once they really got the hack initiated that they knew that they needed to back out at all. So I think that that really is their plan is to find that hack is about is, is about their ability to make sure that this crazy dude that they're working with and F society has his shit together. And it turns out that he doesn't. Right. Uh, and I think that that that's where that that hack is really all about at this point. Um, I was wondering, I wanted to say this in the spoiler free section, but I guess it would kind of be considered a spoiler uh, loosely, maybe just to be careful. I, I saved it for here. Keith David provides the voice of QWERTY. We never see Keith David on the show. Is there any chance that, you know, you bring in a big gun like Keith David? Is that just for the gag? Is it just to have the fish have a recognizable voice? Or will Keith David ever show up on Mr. Robot as a different character? I think it's honestly a it's a win-win situation. You bring him in for the gag, and if your show never gets renewed, you never did anything else with Keith David, fine. You bring him in for the gag, and your show's a big hit, and you can go wherever you want to go in season two. There's no reason why we can't see Keith David in season two. That'd be fun. Yeah, I agree. It would be great fun. I would like that. Uh, and he doesn't even have to be connected to the fish at all. He can be playing a totally different character uh, in some way, shape, or form. And it's just kind of a connection that you can make. Like, where have I heard that voice on the show before? What does that mean? That will be really, really fun to unpack. Yeah, I want to see more Keith David. Keith Damon. Keith Damon. Yes, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I think that'd be good. Uh, anything else from the episode? No, I think that's really it, unless you've got anything else. Again, love to hear everyone else's thoughts. Uh, highly recommend checking out the great Reddit discussion on the, on the visions here, the Damons. Uh, I think they're, they're, you know, there's a lot to say on the surface, kind of what we hit in the spoiler-free uh, section. And in the spoiler section, there are other things as well. But uh, the only other thing I would say is the banging on the door, uh, when Darlene is banging on the door and Elliot hears it super loud. I think it's important to remember that when we think about the banging on the door at the end of this season, uh, it could be Darlene. It could be anybody. I think people have a lot of uh, concern about who that is banging on the door, but here is a very clear, very similar banging on the door moment in this episode. And it's just Darlene saying, come back to F society. You know, speaking of Darlene, she's really the worst sister. In what regard? You know, like, shouldn't she be picking up on what Elliot is putting down as in, like, shouldn't she be paying attention to the fact that this person who she knows has a tenuous grasp on reality based on what we see of her in episode nine and episode eight even being really worried about Elliot? Shouldn't she be picking up, like, if Romero was saying, I know you're a junkie, shouldn't Darlene be a little bit more worried about what's going on with Elliot or is she just so self-absorbed that she doesn't see it? And even if she is so self-absorbed, that doesn't really take away from my comment that she's just the worst sister. Oh, she sees it. She sees his drug paraphernalia in his house when she comes in after that door knock. She just doesn't care. She just doesn't care. She says, you look like shit. Like, yeah. thanks. Thanks. That's the support I need. Tell me how bad I look. Not great. 
Not great, Bob. Not great. Not great at all. <laughs> really, really bad. All right. So we'll track that as well. Lots to talk about uh, when we get into episode five. That's going to be coming a little bit later than usual. Very sorry that we have a little bit of a delay here in Robot Road. Other things are happening. We will get back to it as soon as possible. We will be able to make up ground before we get to July 13, before we get to the season two premiere. Everything will be covered by then. Uh, no worries about that whatsoever. We will double up one week and it's going to be really good stuff. Very excited about this next episode when we do get to it, uh, because the whole Tyrell conversation between Elliot and him, that's something that I think you and I have been really, really jonesing to get to. It's a really feast on whatever the next conversation between these two characters are. uh, And like, is there anything more to kind of like chip away at in terms of finding out about their how their relationship predates the show and what they're planning? Because that's going to be very, very huge going into season two, I think. Yeah, we'll get that episode up as soon as we can. There is going to be a delay, but it's going to be a lot to look forward to when we do get it up because that's going to be a fascinating thing to talk about for sure. For sure. All right. Hashtag Keith Damon if you got to the uh, yes, yes, if you yes. got to the end of the spoiler-filled Keith section. Damon. Keith Damon. Follow Antonio at AC Mazzaro, two Zs, one R. I'm at Round Howard. Subscribe to what we're doing. Postshowrecaps.com slash MR Robot iTunes. That's how you can subscribe to our Mr. Robot feed. Don't forget about those podcast awards. Podcastawards.com. You can vote every day really really appreciate it if you want to do that no big deal if you don't but i'd really like to do some lost podcasting so that would be really fun um antonio how are you everything good anything else anything you want to add here no nothing nothing to add here i appreciate uh, your patience and putting up with my schedule problems the last couple weeks and you being you josh but you being everyone listening to thank you everyone for listening and we'll work to get that that episode five podcast up as soon as it's convenient for both of us josh you're going to be on assignment i think I think so. That's what I heard. Supposedly, that's what I heard. Uh, so we we will see how that all shakes out. Uh, but you're going to be you're going to be cast on the Amazing Race, right? <laughs> that's right. That's what's going on. You and you and your wife, you and your wife will be no, Amazing me, Racing. Me and my Christian Slater alternate personality, we're gonna, <laughs> we're going to run we're going to run the race together. Mr. Wigbot? <laughs> Mr. Wigbot. Oh, maybe that's the hashtag. All right. <laughs> well, we're out of here. That's it. We'll be back as soon as we possibly can. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.